and Kevin, a.k.a. Neon Nazgul from the Operation Pug Podcast, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you are brand new to this show, this show is all about Magic the Gathering, with a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons sprinkled in there, in there, here or there. That's if I could speak anywhere, I I will not say, I will not do, I cannot say, I will, I am. Because said Sam, I am, I will not eat them anywhere. But, um, alright, so I have a pretty awesome episode for you all tonight. I've got the two YouTubers, Randy and Paul from Breakfast with Nerds, they are two awesome guys, and we chatted a lot about magic and a lot about their YouTube channel too and some of the the things that they go through when filming and editing these videos and you know some of how they come up with ideas and stuff like that for their magic YouTube videos. And we talk a lot about, about magic and modern and legacy, all that sort of stuff there. So before we begin, let's get some ads out of the way and roll that clip. Jazzy, what does the calculator say about the shipping costs? It's over $9! What? $9? There's no way that could be right! At LegitMTG.com, we don't charge shipping for any order over $2 or more. We're not like those other guys who make you spend an arm and a leg to get free shipping. Come on down to LegitMTG.com for all your magic needs and be sure to get that free shipping special. That's LegitMTG.com. Visit today. Hey everybody, Zuby here, and I am joined by Randy and Paul of Breakfast with Nerds, a Magic the Gathering YouTube channel, and I wanted to bring them on to talk a little bit about themselves, about some magic, and about YouTube. So before we begin, let's get it off with introductions. Uh, whoever wants to start, Randy, you first. Yeah, I'll go first. I'm Randy. Uh, I'm a plastics engineer by trade but Ooh. a horrible magic player by night. <laughs> I, I was in the national waffle eating contest in 2006. Fun fact about me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We just had waffles tonight for dinner too, by the way. What yeah, an appropriate so. dinner for this interview. <laughs> yes. Yes. We actually had breakfast for dinner tonight. <laughs> the best kind of dinner. Yes. Yes. Hopefully you so can Paul it. yourself. Uh, well, uh, I am Paul. Uh, I don't have any interesting fun facts. I've never been in an eating competition, <laughs> uh, but uh, I am actually a teacher uh, by day and an equally horrible magic player uh, by night. Um, let's see. Equally horrible is very accurate because every time we play each other in F and M, we almost always draw. Why is that? We run out of time. We just, well, we always get to a game three and we always run out of time. So for some reason, it's sort of become a, a bit of a joke between us because uh, we always wind up going to a game three and never having time to finish. Is it just you guys are going too slow or, or, or wait, are you both control players? Uh, usually we're not going that slow. We just, I don't know. I guess we just can't draw anything good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but uh, oh, we, we pretty much stalemate almost all the time. So, all right. But, uh, I want to get with Randy here. Plastics engineer. What does that entail? That that's piqued my curiosity here. Well, my degree is in chemical engineering, but I I work for a plastics company now. So I we design and injection mold all kinds of plastic parts for refrigerators, washers and dryers, some automotive components, stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Do you actually get to make make the plastics or ha- what do you exactly do? We buy the plastic resin and we mold it into usable parts. We do a lot of welding assemblies on refrigerator shelves and speaker enclosures for vehicles and stuff like that. We do a little bit of everything. Okay, that's cool. Cool. And Paul, you're a teacher. Um, What grade do you teach? Uh, I actually teach elementary school music. So I teach uh, every grade. Okay, that's cool. Is it, do they have band at that in elementary school where you're at? Uh, they don't actually used to do band stuff. Um, I teach mostly like general music, which is what kind of they have here. So you learn just, you know, general, you know, you do lots of singing and playing instruments that are kind of easy, like the recorder, various percussion instruments, things like that. Um, and I also do work with the band too. So I, uh, I do some work with the upper levels as well. Okay. And that's cool. That's cool. So the reason I brought you two on is you've got a YouTube channel called Breakfast with Nerds. Uh, let's dive right into that. How did that get started? Well, uh, we kind of got started playing Magic, and uh, we both kind of got into it at the same time. Uh, I had played a long time ago in high school and then again in, in college for a while, uh, and I had refound my way into Magic for the third time in my life, and uh kind of met up with Randy and he was finding his way into it as well. And we decided that, uh, we might be pretty good at making some YouTube videos. All in our, uh, our history of video making is a lot longer than our history of magic. Yeah, all throughout high school, we would, uh, have sleepovers at each other's houses and film silly videos and, uh, write like weird owl style song parodies and record them and, and stuff like that. So we've been doing very silly things together on camera and on audio for a really long time. And when we both started getting into magic at the same time, it seemed like a natural fit to start making content. We're no stranger to the record button. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's saying here, I'm just looking at your YouTube channel, that you guys met in first grade at a chess club back then? That's right. Yep. That's right. Oh, that's crazy. So you guys have known each other for a long time. We have, and, and we've uh, been nerds for a long time, too, apparently. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, nothing wrong with that. I've been a nerd since I was born, so I'm, yeah. But, um... That's cool. So what got you, I I guess, starting off with whoever wants to go first, what got each of you into magic? Like, what was the catalyst for that? Uh, Well, I'll go first, I guess, because I got into it first. Uh, I started playing uh, in high school because I had a friend who taught me the game. Uh, And at the time, you know, I didn't really think a whole lot of it. I didn't have my own cards. I played with decks that he had. And I've always tried to remember what set we would have been playing with, what came out about that time. It was probably 2004, 2005, uh, 2006, maybe. So I feel like some of the Kamigawa block cards might have been ones that I remember from, from way back then. But, uh, but it was a ways back. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, I went to college and forgot about magic for a while and wound up living with some guys that played every single night, kitchen table style around the kitchen table. Uh, and we played every single night. So I went to the local card shop and bought a bunch of magic cards and slammed some decks together and none of us knew what we were doing there was no strategy just big creatures <laughs> and lands and and we just took turns going around the table and stomping each other so uh that's pretty much how that worked and uh, i guess more recently in the last you know probably a little over a year ago or so uh, i reconnected with another magic playing friend of mine uh and got back into the game a lot more seriously now that i'm an adult and have more disposable income than i did when i was 17 so <laughs> uh that's i guess my story of jumping back into it uh, randy what about you well I started getting into magic about a year ago uh, when Paul and I were at our 10-year high school reunion and he was kind of telling me about magic. So I had in like middle school and high school been a Pokemon card collector and uh, had kind of left that for 10 or so years and started getting back into it last summer. And Paul saw a couple Pokemon cards in my car uh, when we were driving to the reunion and he started, he was like, Oh man, are you playing Pokemon again? And I was like, I'm not really playing. I'm just kind of collecting. And he, he was like, well, I started playing magic. And I was like, what's that? And he explained it to me and it sounded fun. It sounded like something that we could do together to have a good time. So uh, I started playing with him kind of. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so, with you guys playing magic a little bit more seriously now, have you are you trying to go past the F and M level to do PPTQs or IQs or anything like that? I don't think I'm ready to take that step yet. I'm having What about you, Paul? I uh have definitely been focusing on gameplay lately uh i definitely don't think i'm quite ready for that step but uh, i play either modern or draft or very rarely a little bit of standard online uh pretty regularly several times a week i'd say um just trying to get better at the game and things like that so possibly someday we'll kind of see where where the road goes but i think that'd be a lot of fun i like following competitive magic okay that's cool um which what do you like watching better uh the grand prix or the star city game circuit um i don't know that it matters to me i think formats is what i watch more so than the uh you know the uh, the event type so i really look forward to modern i think that's a lot of fun to watch um and standard's a lot of fun too even though i don't currently play it as much uh, i'm always interested to see what the meta is like what kind of decks people are playing uh and i like weird decks i like decks that aren't you know the main deck that everybody's playing so i'm always on the lookout for a cool deck that might lose 70 percent of the time but when it wins it's the most fun deck out there oh, true and randy what about you what are what are some of your favorite formats well i really like commander i like kind of the casual feel of it the kitchen table feel of it and uh just some of the really fun interactive decks that you can build with it now you, you 
you touched on something there and, and Paul was speaking about it too, where, you know, back when, when I was first playing magic too, I started back in Urza saga and, um, I can remember nice. as, as kids, you know, we, we didn't know anything what was going on and just same thing. We were playing big, dumb creatures. Um, and I almost kind of miss magic like that. I kind of miss being ignorant to a lot of the rules <laughs> and the finer things of magic and cause it felt more fun now. Oh, I agree. Now it's like every time a new set comes out, it's just I look at it with such a an eye of, oh, this card's trash. This card's trash. Oh, you know, these big flashy mythics, they're trash. They're not standard playable or modern playable or anything like that. And it, it I, I almost kind of miss not knowing anything, you know, I agree. I feel that for sure. There's uh, there's definitely something to be said for just uh, you know slapping your cards down on the table, no sleeves, because what on earth are sleeves? Oh yeah, <laughs> and just and, going to town. Play mats too. It's like yeah. what the. Well, I'll, we uh, we actually filmed a uh, we usually you know buy the planeswalker decks and play them against each other on our channel uh, just to kind of have some fun and also show people you know what the decks are like if you you know were to buy them as a casual player and uh, I didn't have sleeves one time and and uh, so I played without sleeves and it was the weirdest feeling it felt like college all over again just you know this tiny little stack of unsleeved cards on the table it was a lot of fun. God, I don't even know if I can do that anymore because <laughs> I, I I even built some, you know, really basic decks for my kids and I to play. And it's I had to have them sleeved up, though. I mean, n no card is worth more than maybe five cents, but mm -hmm. I still had to sleeve them. Yep. <laughs> it's it's too weird. But yeah, there's something to be, you right. There is something to be said where I miss I miss that um innocence of magic and now here I am an old man and just grumbling about uh, <laughs> these these dinosaurs none of them are standard playable and you know well I think that's why I like weird decks too like there's always cards in every set like you said that uh you know aren't standard playable are mostly junk uh but we all know that one guy who will draft that card at draft and then stomp everybody with it so i think one day it'd be awesome to be that guy and be able to take the cards that are just junk and be able to do something with it i think that's why i like weird decks is because there's always cards in every set that i'm like i would really really like to take advantage of that card <laughs> and not have to worry about all of the better cards out there <laughs> Oh, I know, I know. I I've been trying to do that lately, but I always go back to let's try to make this tier one as possible, right. and then it's just like, well, why am I playing this crappy card? And I just go back to you know whatever's <laughs> tier one. I spent last week <laughs> playing just the worst Axis of Mortality deck uh, online, and it was so much fun uh, when it won, and it lost probably eighty percent of the time. But the times when it won, it was the most fun. How the hell did you even pull that off? <laughs> well, we might uh, we might do a deck tech sometime, but uh, you you should you yeah. should because I'd be really interested in seeing that. That I mean, that's a sort of EDH card that it would be really fun. Yeah, well, to see, have, the trouble but... with that card is once you flip your life totals, you still have to knock their you know the the last few points of life off, and so that's kind of what the deck yeah. tries to do is live long enough to cast the card and then have a way to immediately knock the last you know four six points of life off once you manage to turn the tables on them and that's what uh that's what i thought was so much fun about the deck so maybe we'll have to do a deck tech on that sometime yeah i'd definitely be interested in seeing that that that'd be crazy um 
Randy, what are some of your favorite EDH commanders you have? Well, I'm uh, building a Tristani Selesnia's voice deck, uh, which I think is pretty sweet. And um, I've also got a. I'm starting a list of uh, Crewfix. The one that. Ooh, that's my boy. <laughs> Sage Mana. Oh, dude, Crewfix is that. That was my very first commander I ever built, oh, yeah? and I still have him. And he. He was originally a Hydra deck, and um, the only Hydra that has survived is Hydra Broodmaster out of the original list, and now it's more of a um, Eldrazi-type deck, and it's um, it's pretty nasty. It wins a lot, and uh, m- mainly in multiplayer, not, not like one-on-one or anything, though it can win one-on-one if the other deck is not aggro, but... um. No, that that that's my boy and Tr- Tristani Selesnia's voice. That is just ridiculous amounts of life gain. Yep. Yeah, I've gotten up to you know several thousands of life playing it on X Mage. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> oh man. Is there like what are some of the wind conditions in that? Uh, I've got a bunch of token doublers. Um, so if I can get. And um, the sun, Crested Sun Mare from one of the more recent sets that makes indestructible horses. If I can drop a few, uh, a few dozen indestructible five five horses, that's a pretty good one coming for me. <laughs> a few dozen <laughs> five fives. That's commander for you. <laughs> I know that. That's what I freaking love about it too. It's. It's I'm not it's awesome. Like I understand people getting competitive in Commander if that's their thing, cool, and all that. But to me, Commander is always one of those. Let's just do shenanigans. What kind of shenanigans can we mm-hmm. have here? Right. Well, I think it's fun too because the the singleton format means you get to use all those crazy cards that you wouldn't otherwise see. Uh, so you're actually getting to play with a whole bunch of different cards from Magic history, which is also one reason I love playing Modern. So you get to see a bunch of cards that maybe you wouldn't otherwise see if you just play standard yeah very true it's um yeah i mean it i mean na- now that the po- the format's so popular now where um you know when something's gonna be an edh staple it's it can be pretty expensive but back in the day you know four or five years ago you'd be able to make really popular 50 cent rares um you know they were super cheap and be able to use them in EDH and now everybody's scoped it out and it's <laughs> not not that the format's completely solved but it's there's a lot more data out there that shows you know oh you know what cards fit with what commander and all that it's I try right. not to do that too much but sometimes you need some help of hey what other cards can I add to this commander here oh for sure absolutely you know um so going back to your YouTube channel here, um, how about you tell the audience um, some of the stuff that you do on your channel? Well, we kind of do a little bit of everything. One of my favorite things that we do is our high-stakes pack battles where we'll get a, a certain number of packs, and Paul will open some, and I'll open some, and we add up the value, and whoever gets the least amount of value from their packs has to be punished. Ooh. We have a whole variety of punishments. We even incorporated a wheel of punishments that the loser has to spin for their fate. Uh, so 
we find it to be a very unique and often hilarious take on the pack opening genre of videos to give it a little bit of extra spice and entertainment value. Oh, what are some of the punishments that you guys have had to do already? A lot of them are breakfast related. So uh, Paul's got egged in the face a couple times. I think that uh, I got pancake batter poured all over my head once. We've, <laughs> oh, we've got a really uh, interesting one coming out soon that we just filmed last week. That is, It almost made me puke. It was very disgusting. I actually just finished editing it today, and it is probably the most hilarious pack battle we've ever filmed. Oh, man. So I guess the audience is definitely going to have to go watch that. Yeah, guys, just search Breakfast with Nerds on YouTube and watch that. When when is it coming out? Uh, I think it's on on deck for this week, so probably Tuesday we'll probably put that one up. Okay, so by the time this recording comes out, that video will already have been released so definitely go check out youtube breakfast with nerds we do a bunch of other stuff too we'll do uh, occasional deck techs we really like doing like casual deck techs we've got a whole series of, of decks for five dollars that are built around keywords but uh we'll occasionally do some other things with with deck techs as well uh we've had some pretty successful videos where we upgrade the planeswalker decks that come out that we open on the channel every time so uh, we usually open all the products that get released with each set uh we'll play the planeswalker decks against each other um we do some drafting. We'll do pack one, pick ones, and we ha- we have some Winston drafts that we've filmed. Okay, lots of everything. It's 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 aimed at mostly a pretty casual audience, uh, but I think anybody can enjoy some of the funnier stuff we do. We've also got some special uh, edition kind of themed episodes uh, out there that might center around a holiday or, or season or time of year, and we try and really ham those up. We've got a pretty good one coming out later this month that I think uh, everybody will enjoy. Okay, cool. Cool. That's um it's pretty it's pretty exciting there. Um I am noticing just looking through all the videos here, it looks like you're starting to touch on some of the story aspect of magic now. Yeah, we've done that uh, just starting with Ixalan recently. So we've uh really gotten into reading the story and found ourselves discussing it and we were like, "Hey, why are we doing this off mic? We should record this and put it up on on the channel. <laughs> so uh, some we started doing some podcast style episodes. Uh, we live far enough apart that we can't get to each other to film videos real often. So uh, audio is much easier to uh, coordinate. Oh, it, it definitely can be. Um, talk about the little podcast you guys are doing now. Paul, do you want to talk about that? Well, uh, we... S- yeah, we started putting together this, uh, this I guess, just kind of a, a wrap-up of, of news and whatever's going on in the Magic community. So what might a you know casual or FNM warrior type player care about each week in Magic if you weren't necessarily going to spend hours staying up to date on everything? So sometimes in those we'll touch on things like, uh, you know, any notable news spoilers that might have come out that week and and one of the things we like to do is just share our thoughts and and banter about whatever's going on so uh, it kind of surprised me to learn that that is one of the things that people tend to enjoy about our channel the most is our banter back and forth and our comments and opinions uh i don't know about you randy but i've always been surprised that people watch and enjoy yeah, our videos much less care a whole lot opinion. about what we say about things but uh i think that's one of the <laughs> 
So I think that's one of the nicest things about uh, being involved in the content creator community and the you know the magic community as a whole. Yeah, it's um, yeah, that's one of the things that you know is is great about it. I mean, there's so much content out there. Um, one thing I did want to bring up as far as YouTube goes, and just to really talk more about your channel is what are some of the things you think that differs you know you from the other you know hundreds of magic youtube channels out there i think we try not to take ourselves too seriously and i think that in today's mtg youtube climate that's refreshing to a lot of people yeah i think we we shoot for the uh feel like you know being a couple of guys that you could go and hang out with after you finish watching our videos and i feel like if people watch our channel and and feel like you know they can learn something from us and enjoy being around us then that's what the attitude that we want to convey to people so you know we're uh occasionally we do a magic basic series for people you know where we like to explain uh magic in in layman's terms you know i feel like there may be sort of a stigma out there about how uh you know, everybody that plays magic, you know, lives in their mom's basement and, and stuff like that. And uh, of course we know that's not true, but, uh, I think it's nice to, you know, to, to project that out to the world that we're a couple guys that you can hang out with and, uh, then point that, you know, point everybody out to some of our friends in the community who make great content and, and continue to grow the game for everybody that, uh, that comes our way. Okay. That makes sense. Um, what are some of your, what are some of the ways that you guys try to grow the channel? Well, uh, we're always asking for feedback. So we have uh, recently put up a survey that a lot of other content creators filled out, kind of asking for what we can be doing better. We always appreciate feedback. We try to uh, be active on Twitter and in the comments section on YouTube. And uh, on Twitter specifically, the hashtag FridayMTG is uh, kind of becoming popular and it's where we tweet out some of our favorite content creators. And also on the forums at kitchentablemtg.com. That's a great place to interact with uh, and viewers alike and uh, kind of get ideas and, and make some friends. Those are definitely both great resources for sure. We both frequent the Kitchen Table okay. MTG forums and, and are on Twitter fairly often. Uh, I think one other thing we've always tried to do from the beginning uh, is just focus on having a good time and making videos that we like and uh, try not to get too bogged down and worrying about how many people are watching our videos or, or things like that. So we're definitely reaching out for feedback, but uh, you know, I think we've been able to stay pretty grounded through the whole process in terms of uh, just trying to make sure that we're having a good time. So, and, and if we focus on that, we'll continue to enjoy the whole entire process rather than being so concerned about, you know, how many views we have or, or this and that. No, and that's a good outlook to have because I know I've definitely got suckered into, you know, obviously when I started this podcast, I want to have it grow and, you know, become popular. I mean, I think anybody who starts something like what we're doing, we want people to see it naturally. You know, we're doing it. We're not doing it just for ourselves to just upload these videos or podcasts just to put them on private and not have anyone else listen. Right. For sure. And, and it's you, it, it gets very tricky getting sucked into that okay what can i do to get more views and 
videos and you know become more popular so that that's nice and refreshing to hear that you know just try to be yourself and just make videos that you enjoy making pretty much yeah it's tough to find that balance because you know like you said none of us puts in the work to not be heard by anybody um but at the same time you know we feel like if if we focus way too much on the numbers, we'll get, you know, it's too easy to get down on yourself, especially early on. Uh, and being that this is the first year we've had a channel, you know, we expected growth to be slow and we just kind of told ourselves, hey, we're gonna make sure that we have a great time and we're not going to, you know, kill ourselves trying to make sure we, we get this done. Uh, and in the process, we've been able to see growth in the channel, which is refreshing and, and nice at the same time. No, Randy, any thoughts on that? No, I I think Paul hit it right on the head. We made a deal when we started the channel that if it started to become not fun, that we would just quit because it wasn't it wasn't worth uh, losing a friendship over or stressing out over. Uh, we're doing it as a hobby, and that's the way it's going to stay. No, that's good. That's good to at least know. So if you guys let's just say were to strike it rich and become really popular, you know, how, how do you think that would affect either of you? Well, it depends on how rich, I guess, but <laughs> well, when I, I don't mean like money wise, but maybe just, I don't know, you suddenly <laughs> blow up and I don't think it would really affect as much at all. I, we've, like I said before, we've been doing this kind of stuff since like middle school and, uh, nobody watched our videos then and we're, we're still th thank god right <laughs> but uh we're still doing the same kinds of things and, and cracking each other up and just being silly in front of a camera and and that's what we really enjoy about it and that's kind of a stress relief from our day-to-day -day lives i think you know if we were ever to to hit it big and and just blow up you know we could start talking about treating it more like a you know, a side hustle or, you know, secondary gig rather than just a hobby. And I think until that point, it's prudent to treat it like a hobby. And if it were to ever happen where we could, you know, make some money and reach a whole lot more viewers, then, you know, we can look at changing our model to fit that. I don't think either one of us would be opposed to that kind of success for sure. Yeah, true. Um, it, it's something I've thought about too. It's, it, I don't think it would ever, I don't think this would ever replace my day job though, but, um, it's, it is something that's, you know, always in the back of my mind that, you know, you know, how far could you push this actually? And how long would it last? You know, how long is this sustainable as well too? Um, right. If only YouTube had a retirement <laughs> plan. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess when you do get that YouTube famous, I guess you're just basically, what is it? And this is getting into some boring talk here. I guess you have to sign a 1099, I guess, like you're considered contractor or something or. Oh, really? I, I don't know. I, I don't think because you're not you're not really an employee. You're not. And I don't know how they do the whole payment. I've never been paid before. I think I've only made five dollars on my YouTube channel <laughs> so far. And, and you can't cash out until it hits 100. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I wouldn't know. We're not allowed to monetize yet. Really? You got to have 10,000 total <laughs> I, channel views. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I've had my YouTube channel since the very beginning of YouTube. Uh, and the beginning um, of even YouTube. though I'm past. That's a long yeah, time. Bet. 
uh, back when it first opened and back when there was no ads or anything and you could actually watch movies and animes and TV shows on there and no one cared. (laughs) (laughs) And um, No, but I do have over... I think I have like 30,000 views and that's mainly due to one stupid video I uploaded that almost that almost has 10,000 <laughs> views on it. That I uploaded like 6 7 years ago. It was um hmm. a, it was um micro championship wrestling, so a bunch of little people <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that has almost 10,000 views, so That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I didn't know that you had to have 10,000 views in order to monetize. I thought you could just do it right away. Well, we could when we started our channel less than a year ago, and then that rule came through. I think it started in April. Uh, okay. So, so it was right about the time we were starting to actually get some views yeah, going. Yeah, we, we monetized for like the first two months that we had the channel. We made like a whopping seven cents or some something like that. It was Clearly, whoa. YouTube was concerned that they would go broke paying for breakfast <laughs> with right. nerds. It sounds like it. Oh man, <laughs> it, it takes like what a thousand views to get seven cents, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So how close are you guys hitting the ten thousand view mark? We're just short of seventy five hundred. I checked today because I thought you might ask that. <laughs> oh, okay. Randy kind of so, keeps track of all of our analytic stuffs. We have some. Uh, we share a Google Drive to put all of our ideas and and documents and plans and things like that in and he keeps track of all of our analytics and subscriber data in a uh, google form okay yeah i always enjoy data like that i do um i try to do monthly stats of the podcast every month and i forget a lot of times but it's just nice to see trends of you know where there's growth and then the you know where peters off and all that sort of thing um so I know that you guys do some Pokemon on your um, channel, or it looks like it's been a while since you've done Pokemon. It has been a while, yeah. We kind of tapered that off. So is the plan for the channel just to mainly stick with magic? Yeah, moving forward, I think that's the best move. And uh, the reason that we did Pokemon in the first place was Paul was making sure that I had something to keep me entertained because I was not as into magic at the beginning as he was. But uh, as we've gone on, the Pokemon has been less and less of a uh, temptation for me. It seems like a waste of money at this point that could be spent on Hmm. better card games. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, especially in my area, it's, it's super hard to find any kind of Pokemon um, play around here. I don't really play Pokemon. Um, my wife is obsessed with it, and um, she plays the online client <laughs> like insane. And we have some dual decks that we've bought. And you know, every time we play, I like to think like, yeah, I can beat her. I've played plenty of Magic and all that stuff. It's like, nope, she kicks my ass. <laughs> it's like this is bullshit. <laughs> I think we definitely like and, um, we like opening the packs of Pokemon. I think the card game is very optimized for collectors. You know, you've got a very limited number of cards. Uh, they're brightly colored. They're exciting. Uh, it's definitely easier to collect Pokemon than it is to collect, you know, magic cards. How many people do you know that have an entire expansion of magic in a binder sitting at their house? So. 
No, I've tried to do that. It's I, I, I had that done with the whole Theros block and then, you know, comes around time where I want to build a deck and oh look, half the, you know, Theros gods are coming in right. my deck and I want to build them now. Right. <laughs> no, it's I, I try to do that, try to keep them in binders and all that, but then I just end up playing with them all. <laughs> and then I just sell the ones I don't want anymore. Yeah, we found ourselves doing um, that too. Yeah. So you guys are planning to stick with magic. Um and so you're doing the booster boxes, the story now, you have the little podcast. Um what else is there do you think you guys can do as far as magic content goes? Well, I I'm not sure. I think that we've explored at least dipped our toe into most of the ideas that we had starting out there were certain things that we uh were kind of holding off on until we felt like it was time like the uh like the story episode and the podcast stuff uh but i think that right now we have enough balls in the air that we aren't really gonna start anything new for a while until some of the stuff that we have recently started kind of um evens out I think we're kind of at a okay. place where we just, you know, we want to focus on doing what we're currently doing as well as we can. So finding more efficient ways to do it, finding ways to make our openings and our various content more entertaining. Because uh, I think that's the trickiest part is making sure that we have some sort of of hilarity to ensue in each one of our videos. I think that's our goal is to have a great time and, and for the viewers to have a great time. Um, and I'm not sure we always hit that goal. Uh, but I think that's our our goal moving forward is to is to try and do what we're currently doing as well as we can. No, that's a good goal to have. Um, do you guys have specific days you release content on? Not, not hard and it's not like a hard and fast rule anymore. But uh, usually it's Tuesdays and Fridays. Okay. Okay. The certain certain times like uh, we'll have a special edition halloween episode that we'll release on halloween oh it looks like halloween's on a tuesday this year so <laughs> <laughs> that works that works out for our schedule yeah it actually happens to be a tuesday but i mean like if if we have uh you know a two videos to be released in a certain week ordinarily that'd be tuesday and friday but if we also record a you know a podcast style episode a news episode we'll work that one in there and maybe release it on a thursday or something like that so there will almost always be something on a tuesday and friday and occasionally something else as well depending on what we're into or uh if you know a new set just comes out we'll probably have more videos so okay cool um if there was something you guys could do differently when you that you know now when you first started the youtube channel what would it be that's a really good question i'm i'm hmm that's a good question. I think maybe I would have tried to explore different formats earlier. Because I was pretty nailed into trying standard for a while. And I think that if I had ventured into limited earlier, I, I would have had a lot of fun with, with those formats. That's not really channel specific, but it's magic related, I guess. <laughs> Okay. I feel like when we started the channel, we had a really solid plan in place. Like we didn't just pick up a, you know, a camera and start videoing. We had, you know, this Google Drive full of spreadsheets about how much it was going to cost and when we were going to film and when we'd release videos and who would do the editing. And so, uh, everything has been really thought out since the very beginning. 
uh, even though it kind of looks like we're just goofing off on camera. And so uh, I guess, like I said a second ago, you know, I think the biggest thing for us since we started has been the experience of, oh, this works. Oh, this doesn't work. Uh, you know, us getting comfortable in front of the camera, us realizing what we enjoy and us just being, you know, more and more familiar with the game of magic uh, and things like that. So I don't know, you know, if I had to go back in time and start this whole process all over again, I'm not sure there's a lot that I'd do different, but it would be nice to know starting at the beginning that things will get better and things will get cleaner and episodes will get funnier and the footage will look better. Now, speaking of episodes getting funnier, do you guys script anything or do you have sort of jokes planned out or is it all ad-libbed, improved? I would say 95% of everything is ad-libbed. Uh, we did, I think our 4th of July episode, we kind of had a, a rough script with a couple jokes written, but uh, it's very rare for us to do any kind of show prep or anything like that. We usually plan out what's going on in each of the episodes and like we've got a, a template where we write all of our notes on and there's a place to write out things like that, but we rarely ever do because it's tough to sit down and figure out what's going to be funny when you're in the moment. So most of the time what goes on is either we set up a funny situation or we just start the camera and banter about the cards and cut what's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> how long does it usually take you guys to you know go from or actually no how long does it take you guys to edit once you're done filming it really depends on the video type like a, a booster box opening only takes maybe like 45 minutes to edit because all you got to do is put the audio track with the video track and m maybe make a couple cuts and throw it all together something like gameplay takes significantly longer because we try to put screenshots of the cards onto the screen that are being played so that you can read them and know what the yeah. rules text is and uh we have a life counter on the screen so that layering like that takes that uh, i know i've spent the last gameplay episode i edited took me like 12 to 14 hours probably damn <laughs> I think another episode that takes a while is our pack battles because a lot of times you'll see us put uh, card prices on the screen, like, you know, kind of like yeah. a scoreboard. So when we open something, we'll update it so you can follow along. Uh, and, you know, of course, then we'll have music in the background. We'll have, you know, audio tracks. Uh, we'll have the punishment footage we have to cut in there. Uh, and all of it has to be put together in a very precise way. And so uh, it can it can easily take a couple hours to, to do something like that, not counting, you know, upload time, time creating a thumbnail or, or things like that. And who, who does more of the editing or is it split? Like maybe Randy does one video and Paul does another. We split it up as best we can. I'd say that over the course of the channel, Paul's probably done 75 to 80% of the overall editing. It's a little more of an even split now than it was at the beginning. It, it depends on who is available to spend more time on it during a, any given week. During band season for Paul, I end up doing a little more of the editing. And, and in the summers when Paul doesn't have school every day, he does a little more of the editing. It just, we, we split it up based on who's available. Okay. Okay. And favorite 
This is going to be the favorite, uh, everybody's favorite job question here. What do you think is your channel's biggest weakness? I think, I think maybe, hmm. maybe our biggest weakness is we both really suck at the game. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like we, we go to F and M and we get our asses handed to us when we play and draw. It's to go o two and one at draft at F and M. Hey, we did we did come in first and second in a draft over the summer. We did win that pod. Yeah, but a a guy that was also an easier a format. Guy, so. A guy beat me and then dropped, and I I got a win because he dropped to get there. Oh, well, I three would <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I oh, I'm I'm sure you guys have won F and M's. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think maybe not, you know, to that extreme, but I think you know experience with the game of magic is is probably what i'd go with just because you know we both are fairly new to it we're definitely not new to to being silly or editing videos so i'd say being new to the game of magic is you know something that we can only get better at with time i think in one way though that kind of helps us because we have a beginner's perspective fresh on our minds and things like our our intro to magic series are better because we have recently discovered some of the things that players like yourself have maybe taken for granted for a few years. Yeah, that's true. Um, and see, that's one of the hardest things, especially with, trying to be a magic content creator if you're not a professional you know obviously people aren't gonna go to your channel and try to find you know ooh, what's the latest deck tech and all that so you got to be entertaining right. and yeah that's one thing i learned quickly because last year i did try to take a little bit more of a serious approach to magic and then i found out hey i have no time to <laughs> to right. really you know go to tournaments every weekend and all that stuff and cry as I lose every single time so <laughs> it's now I take it more of a casual laid back but I'll still play tier one decks and and I'll still win yeah. FNMs every once in a while so well and that's the other thing too about our particular situation is our uh, our local game store is extremely competitive uh, I think you know we have you know people that go to pro tour events and, and opens and have pro points that show up for F and M. And I think our, uh, our pre-release events, you know, have had over a hundred people on a regular basis. So it's, uh, it's pretty huge. And I think, you know, we've talked about going to a, uh, to a GP in the near future. And I think just looking around the, you know, the local game store that, day one of a GP might not feel so incredibly different than FNM, you know, tier one decks with everybody and, and everything else. So well, have any of you ever played in a comp Ariel event? No, I, I haven't either. Uh, no, I have not. So read a decent amount about it. So, uh, we, we actually looked at, at going, they had a few around here recently, uh, except, you know, we were both so busy with work that it wasn't going to happen, but I think we've kind of got a couple dates on the schedule for the spring to hopefully go and do something like that. So, uh, I would definitely be happy to play mo modern at an event like that. I think it'd be a ton of fun, uh, or even just go play side events. Yeah, so. It would also give us a chance to do a, yeah, a vlog style video, okay. like on a road trip. And that's something that I've been wanting to do for a while and the opportunity just hasn't presented itself so that may be an another video type that you can expect to see sometime in the moderate to distant future yeah eventual future <laughs> <laughs> no comp Ariel events are i mean they're they're really not that different from just fnm 
t- uh, level magic. It's just just make sure you absolutely know what your deck does and everything about every single card in the deck, and um, and just don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to get a judge if you're not sure about something. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I think that has benefited us from playing at our particular store is, you know, people obviously, you know, they they don't enforce the rules like that, but people play as if the rules are being enforced like that. So they'll announce everything they're doing. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, we'll call a judge when, you know, when they, you know, when things happen. And, and so you kind of just by observing the people around you and watching how people play and how they pass the turn and, you know, how they announce triggers and things like that, you know, I feel like when we go to an event like that, it won't feel incredibly out of place. No, it's just, um, I've never been to a GP. I'm going to my first one next month in Atlanta. Sweet. And, um, so I'm pretty excited about it, but I've been to a few, um, TCG player opens and, um, some star city games, IQs, and they're just, they're just really big F and M's pretty much. Sweet. So you you guys will enjoy that. And of, and a vlog type, a vlog style type video that'll be fun especially be fun to watch because you could do sort of when you're driving there talk about you know oh hey you know you know i at least hope i win one game of magic because <laughs> that's always been my goal for at least every time i go to a comp ariel event let me just at least win one game does it have to be a match one game <laughs> yeah that's usually my f and m goal <laughs> Oh man, lately when I've been going to FNM, it's probably because I'm just so busy with work. I don't even care if I win. I just want to go and play. Well, I think one thing that's kind of helped me get better over the last few months is I go and I think to myself, uh, you know, because I got after uh, after Commander, which was my very first format, you know, I, I kind of worked my way into Modern uh, and going and playing against, you know, ridiculous tier one decks at FNM all the time, you know, I got my butt stomped. And so I would go and I'd say, what I want to do tonight is not necessarily win a game, but make sure I'm playing my deck solidly. Like, if a pro were sitting in my chair, what would they do different that I don't usually do? And so, knowing my deck really, really well and trying to avoid those kinds of misplays, you know, I I have gotten to the point where that brings me uh, a lot of satisfaction, even if I don't win a game. And then, you know, every once, every once in a while, somebody misplays something or I get a really awesome draw and that works out really well for me, so... Yeah, definitely. I feel like with modern and and legacy too, as long as you're f- really familiar with the meta, yes. you you have a much better understanding of how you're going to play your own deck. I mean, sure. I know that I know that can be true of standard, but sometimes standard, especially when it's a mid range meta, it's just basically as long as you're playing something each turn or doing something. Well, but, um, modern, when you have so many viable decks, I mean, you could see one of 20 decks, you know, when you go and, and play and uh, knowing what you need to hold that counter spell up for or knowing, uh, you know, which card you need to take with your, you know, your thought sees or, you yeah. know, knowing what you need to play around or expect or save your board sweeper for makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, so when you start playing modern, you know, you're just not going to win a lot. But, you know, I remember the first time I played Infect, Crushed. Second time I played Infect, won. And I won not yeah. because it was an accident, but because I knew what I was doing and I waited. And that's a nice feeling. Yeah, my my thing with that was it, it wasn't Infect, it was Affinity. Oh, oh my gosh, Affinity was the bane of my existence. Mulligan into Stony Silence. Yep. <laughs> or wait, in, in mine was um, what I have for Grixis Delver is Vandal Blast. 
okay. or Shattered Storm. Just be like, get 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 out of here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh man, I hated it. But um, no, I mean, that's one of the things I love about Modern is it's it, you, there's so many viable decks, and even though it's something like Grixis Delver or Elves or you know collect a company may not be tier one at that time it can still take a tournament right absolutely and um all right so let's go one by one here um randy do you have a favorite magic card um i'm not sure i first thing that popped in my head when you just asked that is torrential gear hulk so i'll go with that <laughs> It is a very good card right now. Um, all right, Paul, what about you? I was wondering if you were going to ask this today, and I wish that I had a really good answer because uh, there are so many cards that I love. Uh, I think if I had to choose one card to draw at any given time, I think I'm going to go with Elspeth Sun's Champion. Oh, man. It's just nuts. I love playing white almost all my decks have white in them and that's a card that a mid-range deck in modern just cannot answer when you pull that off the top of your library and you've got the mana open and and they don't it's just the best feeling oh man i miss my green white tokens deck i had back in theros oh yeah oh man that was so much fun but um all right let, let's do another one here randy what is your favorite magic set well only being a year into playing magic i would probably say kaladesh because that's what was new when i was first starting to play and it was just like opening opening a, a pack of kaladesh was like going into a brand new world and it was just very exciting so like, for, for the sake of my feelings i would i would say kaladesh okay <laughs> and, and and it's interesting that you started at kaladesh because that was the first set that introduced the vehicles type and i remember <laughs> thinking when they introduced vehicles like oh this is crap you know no one's gonna use these or anything and <laughs> if um, they're good yeah, enough yeah and and of course you know right. what was yeah. it three months later smuggling copter gets banned <laughs> yeah oh god but um all right paul what about you uh, well, I do have very fond memories of Kaladesh, you know, like Randy said. Uh, but I think as far as flavor and story and everything together, I've always been a huge fan of BFZ. Uh, I just love the uh, I love the Eldrazi. I love the creature types uh, on Zendikar. I love the core. I always have. Uh, and so even though there's not just a ton of value in the set, I just love almost all of those cards. That's interesting. That's good. It's just great flavor, great story. But you know, between that and, and original Zendikar, you know, it's hard to choose, but the whole world, I think that world building team did a wonderful job. I think B, I'd have to go with BFC, I think. Okay, that's cool. So you like uh, Battle for Zendikar better than the original Zendikar? I think so. I, of course, I have more of those cards, but uh, but I think so. I love the uh, exploration theme, kind of. Uh, the Eldrazi I thought were really, really cool when they came out. Um, just things like that. Yeah, it's the one thing. Whenever I hear Battle for Zendikar, all I think of is just standard um, four color rally and <laughs> almost a thousand dollars standard decks. That's that's what I think. That's of. nuts. Yeah, I love the allies too. I'm actually in the process of, of building uh, allies in in modern at the moment. So Ooh, uh, that's gonna be interesting. Yeah. I've got an allies um, EDH deck. Okay. 
See, yeah, it's, it's like I said, I like the decks that aren't necessarily tier one, but uh, can do some work if you're lucky. Yeah, I don't know if it would work in a modern deck. Maybe it would. I don't know. But Captain's uh, well, Claws is so good in my EDH allies deck. Huh. Okay. I don't know if you know what card that is off the top of your head. Yeah. It's the one that um, makes a 1-1 one, one white core ally creature token. Okay. Whenever um, the equipped creature attacks, so just whenever it comes out, it triggers all your ally effects and or rally effects, and it's That's just... awesome. It makes for insanity. I actually made a uh, General Tazri EDH deck uh, that's allies, uh, and there's a lot of shenanigans like that in there. So uh, one of my favorites was... Uh, uh, you know, of course, they you know they all have the the rally mechanic and things like that. So, um, but uh, I guess Turn Timber Ranger was one of the ones where it creates a wolf token whenever an ally enters, uh, and then if you can drop, uh, you know, uh, what was the name of that card? Uh, Xenograft, I think it was, where it makes all of your uh, creatures a chosen creature type. Uh, now, of course, you can use Arcane Adaptation from uh, Ixalan. Yep. You put that down, as soon as you create a wolf token, it becomes an ally and triggers another wolf token, and you make infinite wolves. That was always one of my favorites. Oh, snap. I didn't... Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Turn, turn Timber Ranger. That's the... It's a... Uh, I think two and a green, maybe? Oh, it's three and two green from... Okay. That's from original Zendikar. Yeah. So, ooh... Okay, so so you do the general Tazri where it's all the colors. Okay, right, right. I do. Um, I just do uh, Boros colors, and I have um. It my commander was Munda. For okay, just yeah, for she's play. in my deck. Or he. Yeah, that, that was just for flavor reasons. Right. And um, but I I've now switched it up to Aroas, the Boros god. Okay. And it's pretty much as soon as I get that creature out, it it just gets nasty. Yeah, I picked uh, Tazri for flavor reasons as well. The magic story chapter uh, on her I thought was extremely well written and fascinating. Uh, and so that's why I built the deck. And uh, it's not very good, but like I said, it's got some of those fun ally mechanics in it that make it great. I know, all those ally triggers. It, it gets a little bit insane, especially if you haven't been board wiped in a while. Right. And you have like maybe four or five allies out, and then it's like, oh, great. And it, it, it also. Well, yeah, it also kind of sucks if, when you're playing it in paper and you have to remember all those triggers, every single trigger, and it gets tiring. Yeah, well, and some of them are confusing. Like in this uh, this modern deck, uh, you know, it's collected company allies, and so uh, you find your allies and all the triggers hit the stack at the same time. And uh, so the good news is you can wind up uh, attacking with a, uh, uh, you know, a 9-1 uh, battle singer, you know, Coom battle singer, because uh, it gets a boost, you know, to its power every single time uh, an ally enters. But the bad news is having to actually calculate all the math in your head. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Randy? You got any plans for modern? No, I haven't really gotten into modern yet. So I, I like, uh, I guess I like standard because. I know the all the cards better. I've been around for all of the sets that are standard legal. And so I like to focus on that, I guess, before kind of dipping my toe into modern. 
Oh, I'm sure Paul will get you sucked <laughs> into it. It's um, you, you'll start to realize like, especially when you do your first kind of rotation, you know, when you've been through all the sets and then you're just like, oh, great. Now I got to build a whole new standard deck <laughs> and spend all this money. And you're just like, it's like, well, modern, I could just build a modern deck. And even though you don't really spend a lot of money on it once it's built, I mean, it is a pretty big investment at first. So but lands. It's. Oh, well, it's not as bad as Legacy Lands, trust yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> but um it's it's mainly the fetch lands for modern that are so expensive. There are some lands that are pretty expensive in modern depending on what build you're doing like Caverns yeah, of Souls or Horizon Canopy yeah. and Yeah. It, it, Cavern of Souls has gone down to like 40 bucks though. It was 60. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm slamming unclaimed territory into my uh Coco allies to save money. So, oh yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I wonder if that's why I the do price not blame went down. You. I wonder if people are are doing what I'm doing and and the demand went down a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, that's one thing that just frustrates me with Magic, and I've talked about it before in the podcast where I can spend the money for dual lands for Legacy. <laughs> I, I I can spend the money, and you know I won't have a happy wife, but it's <laughs> I just don't want to spend three hundred bucks on a piece of cardboard. You yeah, know. agreed. And it's just not fun. Like, I really want to build Legacy Grixis Delver, and I have almost all the cards except a playset of Force of Will and the Dual Lands. And I just I don't want to want to spend yeah. the money. Yeah, I don't blame you. It, and it's just one of those. And I know I've talked about it at length before in other episodes. Of, they just need to break yeah, the reserve list for Dual Lands. I don't care if people are going to lose money for it. I, I don't. I don't whatever let people whine <laughs> watsy will make money hand over fist over right. do you guys have any opinions on the reserve list or anything like that well not playing uh legacy or vintage uh means i guess i don't really have a dog in the fight uh but i i'm kind of with you in that it would be nice if those of us who aren't in 1995 could get to play with some of those great cards from magic history I mean, that's one of my favorite things about modern is you get to play with old cards. You know, I love the cards you run across that, you know, that you can tell it's an older card, old border, old art. And I like putting those in decks, but I feel like the reserve list means that a lot of those are kind of off limits for those of us who don't want to spend a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. Randy, what about you? No, I don't I don't really have a opinion about that. I I don't have any of the cards that are on the reserve list and. I don't plan on getting any of them, so I'll I'll let wizards argue with all the all the card collectors about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's frustrating. I mean, there there's even a lot of cards on the reserve list that are just completely worthless, and e- even though they there's no reason that they should be printed again. But it's just one of those. Why, why is this on the reserve list? I mean, you'll look at. You'll look at cards that still have anti on them or banding or right. stuff like that. And it's like, there's no reason they should be on the reserve list. I mean, I, I can't ever see a reason why Wizards would ever print these cards. But why put them on there? That is kind of weird. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, if they're, if they're not going to reprint it anyways, what's the point? So, since... So talking about old school magic here, it just reminded me of something. So 
neither of you really played before eighth edition. I know Randy, you just started this year, but Paul, you started. What would you say around Ravnica Kamigawa? Uh, yeah, it would have been in about oh four, oh three, oh four, maybe. Yeah, the, the, uh, I definitely remember playing with white border cards, white border lands, but I, you know, I didn't know enough about Magic in general to tell you what sets they were. Okay, so you never had to experience mana burn or really crappy creatures. Never had to experience banding or anti or any of that, right? You know, I. I feel like I knew about mana burn. I feel like that was a rule I got taught in high school. <laughs> but but so you know what it is, though, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, any mana that you didn't use that was in your mana pool drained your life total at the end of the phase, right? Yes. Yes. So what, what would be actually pretty fun for both of you to do is playing the old magic game Chandelar. Okay, I've never heard of it. So Magic Chandelier came out, I want to say, 95, 96 on the computer. And I can send you guys a link on where you can download. And it does work on Windows 10. It takes a little bit of tweaking to get it working. Um, I think you, you can just run it in compatibility mode, and it'll work fine. And okay. Chandelier is a sort of RPG uh, point-and-click game. Of where you're set in the plane of Chandelar and you have to save it. There's bad guys taking it over, whatever. And they and you can collect the power nine in it. Um, but all the and all the old school rules of magic are in it. And you can play full fledged magic in there. You can build decks, but every time you fight someone, you have to ante up a card. Um, there is mana burn because when I played the game, it's like, oh crap, there's mana burn. I completely oh, forgot uh... about this. And, um, <laughs> I, I lost the game because I had floating mana, and um, yeah. But you, well, yeah, that's so like I, uh, when Iconic Masters just came out, and people were complaining that Counterspell wasn't in it, and Mana Drain was, and I was like, Mana Drain is literally better. There's nothing worse about a card that is still a hard counter for any spell, but also gives you mana. Yeah, no, it's um. I don't know. I've got some reservations about Iconic Masters. It's, <laughs> it's not very iconic, in my opinion. Yeah. But um, no, it looks like a fun set, but I'm probably not going to be playing it or drafting. It looks way too expensive for what it is. It, I mean, it's just uh, that, that's a whole other topic of just wizards shoving out stuff like that. Sure. Um, no, but I think that'd be fun for you guys to check out and stream and try it out and it's um a, you really forget that back in the days spells were better than creatures back then and creatures were absolutely terrible you pay four mana for a two two that does nothing else and you feel happy right. about it that would be fun <laughs> definitely send us a link we may put something like that on the channel sometime that'd yeah. be fun yeah have you guys try to live stream it and um now it just got me thinking of that speaking of old school magic there um and it, it would almost be kind of interesting to see from people's perspective of who's never played magic right. back then you know and see all the awesome cards i just put it in the chat so you can go and try to download it it's free Sweet. so you don't need to worry about awesome them. thanks for sending this thing. anything and i think they do have some instructions on how to get it to run and all that and some of the keyboard commands so definitely check it out 
Oh, no problem. Um, I'm trying to think here. Okay. Um, so just to ask here besides magic, um, do you guys have any other hobbies or interests outside of magic and outside of your jobs? Well, uh, we both play fantasy football pretty competitively with group of like college friends. Uh, it takes up a lot of time, I guess, during this part of the year. Do you guys put money on the table for that? No, it's uh, more important than money. It's bragging rights. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this league has been going on for like, what do we decide, like 10 years now? Oh, yeah, we started, we started in 06, Holy so this is, it's been going on for 11 years. Yep, so that's pretty serious. We're both yeah. pretty big sports fans. We enjoy uh, watching sports year-round and talking about it for sure. Yeah, uh, we have traveled together to go to games and stuff like that. So we've been to different baseball and football venues in the I guess oh, that's in the cool. Region. That's cool. That is one thing I've never yeah, done is I've never tried fantasy yeah. football. I guess I never understood what it was or never had anyone to try to show me. Hey, maybe we should make a league. Like a kitchen table magic league? Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I have really no fun. idea what I was doing. <laughs> I guess it would almost make me excited to watch football again. That's the best part about it is it gives you a stake in every single game. Uh, and depending on which client you use, we've always used Yahoo. It makes it pretty user-friendly. Like it, it puts all the information on your screen. So all you have to do is spend a few minutes reading what it's got for you on all your players. And it'll give you enough information to make an informed decision, even if you don't know the players at first. No, true. Because I used to be really into football back in the day, but and me living in Florida, Tampa Bay Bucks were my team, <clears throat> and of course, you know, I, I I've been following them, you know, since I was a kid. And when they won the Super Bowl that one year, that was super exciting, and I watched them, you know, every year after that. And then eventually, they just became worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and then I'm just like, I'm giving up on them. I remember that Super Bowl, Randy. I think that was the Super Bowl where we had the sausage ball fight. In your mom's basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. In my parents' basement, uh, it was uh, that I was cleaning those up for a while. After that, it's probably back yep. into June. Yeah, what year was that? Two thousand two, two thousand three. Like I think it was. Yeah, yeah it was about that. Yeah. It's probably oh two, oh three. Man. That was Super Bowl thirty five. No. I think thirty seven, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> and ever since then, they've just they've been trash. God, they can't even make it to the playoffs. How they can barely win a game. <laughs> it's they're they're the type of team they'll be ahead, then come two minutes in the fourth quarter. They're just like, oh, I forget how to they're play football. On, uh, now. Hard Knocks on HBO this year. I don't know if you saw that. No, what's that? Uh, it's a the, every year HBO does like a documentary on an NFL team in training camp. Yeah, and it's only like four or five episodes, but like they followed the team through practices and preseason games, and then like cut. So like, there's cameras in the coach's office when they cut players, and when they talk about who's going to make the roster, uh, it's pretty interesting. But they featured the Buccaneers this year. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry they did that. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, I just don't really watch many sports anymore. I used to be really into football and baseball. Those are my two two sport sports right there. Yep, those are my two sports. 
I went to a um, hockey game, I think a year or two ago, and I'd never watched hockey before, didn't know anything about it. And oh my gosh, that's, I think I had more fun at a hockey game than I did ever any football game I've ever been to. Sweet. I'm, I've got tickets to go to my first hockey game about a month from now. Oh dude. It's, I I mean, I, I guess it did help that when I went the Tampa Bay lightning won, and they were up against, uh, I don't even remember who they were up against. I'd have to look at my ticket, and um, and it was it was just insane the amount of like brutality that's down there, and <laughs> you know just people like getting knocked down and beaten up, and it's just oh, it just felt better than football. Oh, be nice. And plus, it's a lot cooler too. You're not like out in the heat all day, or the freezing cold, depending on where you are. But yes, true, yeah. Yeah, down here in Florida, I don't know what cold is. It's it, it, it hits it hits seventy two, and I'm freezing. <laughs> now, where where are you guys from? In Kentucky, or right? Yeah, we li- we live in Kentucky. We both grew up in Lexington, and I live in Louisville now, and Paul lives in Western Kentucky somewhere. I don't even know where <laughs> I live. <laughs> I live about an hour and a half away from Randy, so it's a ways. Oh man, so oh that's I'm that's what I I forgot to ask. Since you guys live so far away from each other, do you guys have to set a time or day to be able to actually film? Yeah, we do. We film usually once a month, and we'll just set aside either a Saturday or a Sunday and start filming as early in the morning as we can stand to to wake up and uh, film until we're done with everything we got to get done for the month so we film an entire month's worth of videos in one day which makes it really hard to stay Damn. current on what's happening week to week which is one reason that we decided to start doing the podcast style episodes uh once a week or once every other week so that we could talk about uh, current events that's also where our organization comes in handy uh you know because we can tell you we can look at the schedule and tell you what video is going up you know three weeks from now on tuesday or what we have to film next time we meet you know it's all it's all organized you know a couple months in advance so when we get together to film we don't sit around and say well what should we do now we've got a list you know planned out of these are the eight episodes we have to get filmed today and here's what we need in order to do it so it's pretty uh it's pretty much down to a uh down to a science Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Um, so as far as your little podcast goes, is it only on YouTube? Can people find it on iTunes or Google Play? Uh, nope. Right now it's just on iTunes. We've talked about right, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just on YouTube now. Uh, we talked about publishing it on, on traditional podcast places, but for now we want to see what the demand is, what people want to hear about and and we may make the jump to uh be your competition someday but for now i don't think you have to worry about that <laughs> the thing is it's uh it's audio um, only because of our particular situation not necessarily because we you know feel like we maybe have an audience in that market i think we still want to make content for our youtube audience it's just that we can't always be together to film so it's easier to uh to just record audio and then layering pictures and things like that so right and and those episodes still have a a pretty compelling visual component too so we'll flash cards up on the screen that we're talking about or for the story episodes when we're talking about that kind of stuff we find 
you know, art that has to do with the part of the story that we're talking about or a, a story spotlight card yeah. that has to do with the part of the story that we're talking about. Uh, so the that kind of thing wouldn't be as good if it was just the audio component of it. So we, for now, we prefer to put it on YouTube where you can get the audio and the visual. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry too much about me getting mad or jealous or anything like that. Um, it's I have the opposite problem. I've got a good sizable at least amount of downloads and audio, but if I try to put them up on YouTube or anything like that, it's like pfft, I get nothing. I, I I don't. I guess I don't really know the YouTube game that well, and it's YouTube is all about consistency. I would uh, say. and I'm terrible gotta, at that. Yeah, you got you got to be putting up things. Uh, new content on a consistent basis I would say at least once or twice a week uh, and people know when to expect your content to to be able to get consistent views on it see and that's why I focus more on the on just the audio because oh, these episodes are always going to come out every Friday but with YouTube it's like eh, if I remember to put it up there <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's hmm. my problem Oh, we haven't missed a scheduled upload yet. We started in February, so I, we've been uh, consistency. We've done well. No, that's good. That's um, that's one of my pieces of advice that I give a lot of people who, um, you know, want to get into content creation is that you have to stay consistent, especially at the beginning, or else people aren't gonna. You may have something really, really good, but if you're not consistent, people aren't gonna give two craps about you. It's um. Yeah. it's definitely hard and also being open with your audience as well too if you're going to miss a week or something like that yeah so um i guess to end this off here tonight guys um if you had we'll start off with randy here if you could describe your youtube channel in one word what would it be i would just say fun our YouTube channel is fun. Okay, I like that. It's not not as informative as some of the other channels out there. It's not as professional, probably, but we have a lot of fun, and I think that's apparent, and I think that everybody who watches <laughs> our content has fun also. Okay, and Paul, what about you? It has to be a different word. The well, first word that popped in my head was entertaining. Uh, uh, I think, you know, I agree with what Randy said and, and with what you said earlier. You know, if you want uh, a limited set review, for example, you're going to go listen to limited resources. You know, you're going to listen to a pro talk about it. Uh, and so that's not really a corner of the market that I think we can break into. But I think what we can offer is uh, entertainment factor. You know, uh, we have years and years of of chemistry and, and teamwork and experience of doing things that at least we think are pretty funny. And uh, so I think we attempt to make videos that are as entertaining as possible. Yeah, any old jackass can open okay. a booster box on camera. We try to focus on what makes us the jackasses that you want to watch. <laughs> well said. I like, that. I like that. So where can everybody find you if they want to look you up? Well, we are pretty active on Twitter at breakfast underscore nerds. 
And of course, all of our content is up on YouTube uh, at Breakfast Breakfast with Nerds, you know, just our channel name. So we welcome all kinds of feedback. We would really, really love to hear from people what they want to see. I think that's one thing that, you know, people don't always tell us enough. Uh, you know, if they like the video, they'll thumbs up. Uh, otherwise, they'll leave you a comment. But, you know, if you there's something that people want to see, you know, we're always encouraging people to let us know uh, what can we do to be better. So I'd say either one of those platforms. Also at kitchentablemtg.com. We're pretty active there as well. Okay, awesome. Randy, same with you. Or you guys share the Twitter account, right? Yeah, yeah. We both daily check the Twitter account, and and any tweet that you may see could have come from either one of us. Sometimes, if if uh, it's per- something personal, we'll sign it. Either this tweet was from Randy or this tweet was from Paul, but um, but for the most part, it's either one of us. Even uh, we could tweet from it minutes apart. We're both pretty much signed on all the time, and our email address is breakfastnerds at gmail.com if you have any uh ideas that you'd like to share with us or or comments or criticism Uh, lots of people just like you know thumbs up or hey you guys are doing a good job but we really prefer negative feedback because i think that's it drives us to be better <laughs> or at least yeah, that's, that's a better term. For, we'll yeah, put it that way. Yeah, we don't want an inbox full of swears or, or <laughs> death threats or anything like that. But constructive criticism—that's that's what we. Like. Oh, I know exactly what you mean because um, you know I've gotten good feedback and all that stuff, emails and comments and all that stuff, and you know I show my wife like, oh hey, that's cool. And I remember one of my first like really bad comments or emails, and it was like pretty nasty. I was so excited. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, and I show my wife like, <laughs> I'm like, babe, look, it's it's a bad comment. Look what they're saying. I'm so- <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> That's Maybe awesome. I should have been mad or something with what they were saying. I don't remember what it was and all that, but I was just, I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, strong opinions are good either yeah, way. Man, it's, I, I, I think I ended up not following any of the advice they were trying to give. I'm just like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, I'm doing whatever I want. You're going to like it or you're going to take it or leave it. <laughs> But, um, all right, great. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank both of you for coming on, taking the time and coming on. I know it's a little bit late at night. I should be in bed already yeah. and asleep yeah, we, I'm I old and I got to be up early and especially you, Paul, being a teacher. Paul's an hour behind know. us though. He's in central time. <laughs> yep. I tell you what. Oh, lucky you. Lucky you. That's, that's true. Yeah. So you still have that hour left. Or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Still gotta, gotta get yeah, myself awesome. to bed. That's right. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, we had a we had a great time. Thanks a lot for having us on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And um I just wanna thank you all and thanks everyone for listening and have a great night, all right?